All right, let's jump into this conversation with Jonathan. Jonathan, if I could just start out with the generation years that we're using. Uh, what, what's yeah. the author that we're referencing? For, I, I'm for actually going to just put it in the chat room because I heard your pre-question. I just put it in there. So Jason Great. Dorsey uh, runs a research center. He spoke at the GLS uh, a few years ago. And in it, you'll see why those ages are the definition. You'll see many different age categories for generations. We've gone with Jason's because they're around significant events that happened in the globe that shaped a generation's way of thinking. When you think back to the builders, the Great Depression, the fall of the start market, and World War II were significant moments that that uh, shaped how this generation thinks and responds. So each of those generations are linked to something there. So I put that in the chat room for you. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so we got some questions coming in. PTL says, how can we become a good listener in an age when people usually don't want to talk but text? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great conversation. You know, I, I, think, um, I think actually people are hungry for human engagement. Uh, this is why community groups continue to be a priority in our church because we know that despite technology, and you can hide behind technology, uh, but even, even in text messaging, what people are saying behind the text is maybe the place where you take it or sometimes you have a moment where you say, hey, can we take this offline and we can have a, a, a physical intersect. Most people want to talk. They, most right. people are looking for opportunity to talk. Even with the isolation, I think coming out of this pandemic, we'll be needed, listeners will be more to, need it more than ever. I, I, I got to say too, though, there's no, nothing like being able to listen in text as well too. Like uh, um, I'm thinking of some, some people in my life that, that text me regularly and they're, they're more a younger generation than me. And uh, often they're more comfortable with texting, and I do call them. But yeah. uh, uh, I, I found a way to listen in text, and sometimes they respond better in that sense, where they have time to process their thoughts. They don't feel put on the spot. So, uh, yeah, I Agreed. think both. Yeah. Great question, PTL. Keep them coming. Okay. So you mentioned two big things that anyone can do, not just Gen X, mentoring and hero making. Uh, let's start with uh, mentoring. I love how you said, come to me and listen to me is not the way to, to, to do it these days and maybe not ever. Um, and, and listening being the key that we've already talked about. And you mentioned that it, you, ha you need some interior stability to be able to do that, that maturity level to be able to, to not want to speak. How do you develop that? Yeah, you know, it's funny when uh, the first part of that question is... Um, it's a, there's a power exchange, right? So I think if, if it's come to me and come listen to me, I remain in the power seat. Right. And, and you'll come and sit at my feet. Uh, I mean, the world has had so much of that and continues to do that. But instead, when it's, uh, when it's like, uh, let me listen to you, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm connecting to you. All of a sudden, I'm not that special it's what's happening between us that becomes special. Mm. So uh, I think, you know, the most effective mentors I know, I know a man right now, he's, he's 75, and he's in a, his, one of his best friends is 26. One of his best friends. They have coffee together, they eat together, and why? Well, because that 75-year-old asks great questions. Uh, has created a safe place for that 26-year-old to be themselves. And, and they listen to them. And in turn, 
it's been beautiful as the 26-year-old has flipped the tables on that too and loved that 75-year-old. Like it's, I've, this has been a fantastic friendship for me to watch develop over the years on my peripheral. And I realized that's how you do it. That's how you mentor. That's mm. how you connect with people. It's not, you know, that old adage, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's so true. And this is about building a place of acceptance and listening. To build that interior stability to be able to edit ourselves, maybe to humbly allow their output and, and pause on our output, comes from a deep confidence of who we are in Christ. So the deeper we are into the things of God, it doesn't mean that we don't talk a lot. Some of our personalities are naturally going to lend to talking more. But it means now we don't have to win an argument hmm. to feel better about ourselves. We don't have to one-up someone in a, in a conversation. We can be present, fully present, add to the conversation, or choose not to. But that comes from us, as Paul describes the strong, we've been deeply immersed in the gospel. We have such a strong confidence of who we are in Jesus, what he's done in us and what he will do through us, that I'm not trying to prove myself in every conversation. Hmm. That's, that's so good. Giving me a lot of... Uh of thoughts, even follow-up. Um, but I, I, let me just start here. For, for those maybe more introverted, a little mm -hmm. bit like myself, mm -hmm. uh, when I'm in a room full of people, like one of those party environments, I'm, I'm looking for a wall to lean on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what are some questions that we can ask? Maybe even if they're, they're a little bit of a crutch to get things going, that's not a bad thing. What are some of the ways that we can develop a way to get ourselves into a conversation because I, I, I can I can tend to clam up if I don't know someone well and I don't know what brings them alive. I don't know how to, you know, make their eyes sparkle and 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 start to open up about themselves. I if I don't know somebody, how do you get to that place in in a relationship? Yeah, my questions always go about what interests them. Uh, I want to if I'm not genuinely interested in them, then the questions will be either cursory comments or something that I'm seeking to get from them, but, but I'm, I'm trying to discover what interests them, what drives them. And mm -hmm. even as conversations develop, you know, when people are telling me about their life or anything like that, and they start telling me what they believe and that they're strong, and sometimes even my witnessing part takes the form of questions. And you've probably heard me one church CEO say this, I can't tell you how many times I've said to people, so how's that working for you? Because I, I'm interested in exploring their heart space in a safe way. And so I, I think when it comes to starting conversations with people, it's always just interest in them. And if you're genuinely interested, like what they do or, hey, what bro brought you here? Or uh, where are you going? Uh, you know, these kind of things, you can tell quickly in a conversation whether someone wants to talk or what they do, whether they don't. And I think for an introvert too, you need to understand too, there's a lot of you out there. <laughs> there's a lot of you out there. And so it's not just engaging with the extrovert. Uh, you're uniquely positioned to engage well with an introvert too. And so how do you want to be approached? What are the questions you would want asked of you? Right. You know, I think those are, you know, uh, I, I, I'll ask questions about family. I'll ask, hey, hey, you're from Toronto. I have a lot of opening questions to just see if there's some common ground and to listen to them. Yeah, I, th I heard one, some, someone say the only, the only thing everyone's truly an expert at is themselves. Mm. And everyone wants to feel like an expert in conversation. So if you ask someone about themselves, often they, they, they're entering the conversation feeling a little bit more confident. So 
that's uh, that's a helpful way. Okay, let's let's jump to hero making. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, just before we do, question from Mel, from someone in the younger generations, what should we look for in a mentor? Great question. Oh, character, character, character. I mean, you know what you want in a mentor. Yeah, it depends on what you're doing. I think if you're developing a career, finding someone who's already emerged in that career, who can become a bit of a coach, that, that's a great thing to have in your life. Uh, but, man, you want people of character. Uh, and again, I think uh, you're looking for, uh, in, when you're looking for relation, relational mentorship, you want someone who does relationships well, honors God with it, gets along with people well. You're looking, not everyone has the full bag. So I think for many of us, we may have two or three mentors in our life that help round out some right. of that mentorship in us. But, you know, also too, I, I think if you, you're looking for a mentor, then I'd say this, be a mentor too. It's incredible when you posture your heart, it becomes incredibly attractive to attract the right type of people. So mentorship is important. Look for someone who's ahead of you, for sure. Look for someone who is not looking to share all their advice, but is willing to listen and do life with you. That's mm -hmm. what mentorship is really. You're doing life with someone. Right. Yeah, and, and if, if you're doing life with someone, you want to choose the right people to do life with, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a great question, Mal. Thanks for that. Okay, hero making. Yeah. Um, these days, it is harder and harder to uh, see other people and how they're doing life, um, even pre-COVID. Pre um, because we all have a veneer on front, whether it's sure. on social media, et cetera. But how do, we, how do we catch people doing good things if we feel so disconnected, especially to other generations? Because I think the echo chambers are getting smaller. Right. And, and more people in our circles tend to look more like us. Our culture is definitely pushing us in that monoculture direction. How do we expand our circles? How do we find other people from, from different generations to us? Well, I... Listen, it's interesting. Pastor Keith was, he, he's a uh, pretty interesting guy when he gives feedback. Uh, like if, I, if it came out of a weekend gathering like this, he wouldn't text me and say, great job. He would tell me what was great about it. Mm. He gets specific. Why? Because he's trying to help me see where, Jonathan, you're doing well. And equally, over the years, he's given me feedback on occasion when, when he felt like, hey, you know, next time this, this might help. But, but I love that he's always intentionally looking broader than the easy, low-hanging fruit thing to compliment. And I think when you're looking to other generations, <coughs> excuse me, other generations and others, and you're looking to catch them doing the right things, you're looking for the principles that they're living. Okay. Not just the, the win of the moment. Like they run a big event and it, it ran well. Well, why did it run well? It was good leadership. Man, you, you have a strong work ethic. You know how to hustle. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, you begin to celebrate the attributes, not just the outcomes. I think that's really important. And for, for finding it in other generations, I think you got to be around them. I think you got to be around them and looking for them. So, you know, when we regather... It's, it's looking for those other generations and celebrating them. It's, and sometimes it, it, this takes work, I know, but it's proximity that allows you to develop mm -hmm. those mentoring relationships with people and allows you to catch them seeing the right things. That's really good. Yeah, and I can't wait for those moments. I, I know uh, even from, from my, my own experience, I'll often go and find the people that I know and it takes a little bit of extra to walk over to a group of people and just say hi even. 
Hundred percent. Yeah. But but you know, let me just again just keep challenging you guys, and this will be really quick. But like uh, uh, Matt, I love your two boys, and I don't see them very often. COVID and all of that. Um, but you know, I don't know how many times I've told Ruben uh, how athletic he is, because I've seen that guy. He's a monkey. He can <laughs> climb anything and do anything. It's incredible. Uh, athletic and hand-eye uh, coordination and dexterity. And I, I'm already just catching him doing things. I could say that, oh, look, you climbed that and celebrate that. Or I could celebrate the fact that, you know, you have some unique wiring that mm -hmm. gives you some abilities to do that. And hopefully those things linger. So he leans into those ways God have, uh, has designed him and made him. So you're even at young ages, you're looking for those things. I see in you. I see in you. I see in you a kindness. You know, uh, Levin is a very kind boy. <laughs> he is. I, and so you see those things and you begin to elevate them. Very important in our development. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Get a little bit uh, personal there. It's good. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those boys, I, I, I so appreciate you speaking into them that way. Uh, Maureen has a question. How do we balance encouraging someone and yet being careful not to enable things that might be destructive. Encouraging someone and not enabling things that aren't, could that, be destructive? Right, yeah. Well, well I, I think, I think uh, encouragement is putting, uh, definition is putting courage in someone. Mm. So you don't pour gas on any destructive behaviors. Right. So you don't encourage anything that may be destructive. You're trying to encourage good that you see in them. So think of encouragement as gasoline. So pour it on the right stuff. Be careful with it. Some people, when you pour it everywhere, that's flattery. That's just flattery. You're just pouring it on the person and everything they do is gold. It's not true. It can't be true. Uh, and iron is supposed to sharpen iron. And there is elements, and someday we should get to this as a community where we confront one another in love. There's, there's a lot of stuff that we don't like to do, I'm uncomfortable with, you're uncomfortable with, but it's all part of the encouragement process. And when you're in deep relationship with someone, in mentoring or whatever else, you can do just that. So I'd say don't encourage <laughs> behaviors that are destructive. Uh, encourage and affirm catching them doing the right things. That's good. Okay, uh, we got uh, a comment here from Roseanne. A couple, actually, she she jumped into the J Jason Dorsey link, mm -hmm. and uh, she discovered the the Cusper. Yeah, section. micro generations. Yeah, micro generations, and she she falls into that nineteen ninety yeah nineteen seventy seven to nineteen eighty right uh, Cusper, and she she just mentioned uh, a quote from his website. This is an advantage because it makes you empathetic to both generations. Yep. So just a quick thought. I don't think we'll, we're going to have the time to go into micro-generations at all. But uh, any thoughts towards micro-generations, the, the Gen X, uh, yeah. millennial micro-generation? Well, like, I, I think this is why I'm leaning Gen X this way because we are small. It, it is a small generation, guys, and the cohort is significantly smaller than the two on either side. So I'm really calling the entire generation to be a micro-generation, not just the three years that right. uh, Jason Dorsey talks about. And, you know, really, if all the generations could develop a micro-generation type heart, right. that, that would just benefit the body of Christ so much because we'd always be predisposed to love on both sides of us really well. And, uh, you know, it's easy to love younger generations when they're showing you lots of respect 
And it's easy to love older generations when they're being like your grandparents to you. Mm. But, but, it's, but it's harder when they get crusty or they get uh, rebellious. But that's precisely when we need to accept one another. Remember, right. we don't need to accept one another when everything's great. We accept one another when there are obviously, obvious differences, uh, uh, even conflict. When we see someone as being mistaken or weak, we make room for each other. And, you know, if we had that heart, as Roseanne talks about the micro-generations, that would be fantastic. I love that. I love, I, I, we could all lean on that and become empathetic to the generations on either side of us. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you a question from your own personal experience okay. before we wrap up today. And uh, I've got a, uh, we'll, go, we'll go through a rapid fire at the, at the end. We have a rapid fire question for you for each generation. But okay. just before that, how, like, maybe something recent or something that's been really meaningful that you've seen in your own life where you've seen uh, a previous generation honor you or you felt empowered mm. um, by that previous generation, sorry, honored by a younger generation or empowered by an older generation. How, how have you seen maybe one, you can give one for each or maybe one specific one that really is ringing in, in your heart right now where it's just been a, a life changer for you? Well, let me talk about the older generations first. I've benefited so much from my parents' generation, boomers and builders. I've, you know, I, I've had been given more opportunity than I've deserved over the years, but I, I've had the privilege of being around some pretty special people, though. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned some of them in my message, uh, Pastor Keith being one of them. Uh, it's pretty special to work with people that are looking to have an impact in your life and want you to become the very best version of yourself. I, that's such an honor, such a privilege. And, you know, I'm determined to age that way. And I hope all mm. my fellow Xers and even millennials as they yeah. age, I hope they all, we all age with that so, sort of heart. But, you know, I think when it comes from receiving honor from younger generations, you know, it's funny when you're involved in younger generations' lives and you really do love them, it's easy for them to honor you. It's easy for them to, to respect you because uh, you, you're contributing, you're involved, you care, you love. And so, I, you know, I, I don't want to call out people, but like I, I work with a lot of millennials and some Gen Z. And man, I just love the staff team that I get to work with. And I, I, I feel that, that honor and I hope they feel that impact and it's a mutual honor for each other because, uh, boy, I love them. And they, they're going to exceed the things I've done. I, I really believe in the, the caliber of some of the millennial leaders on our team just blows me away. And I think I see more in them than they see in themselves someday. And I hope to be a part of helping them realize all their potential for the future of this church, but also too, to be able to help find those Gen Zs, those diamonds in the rough, and see them just continue to grow into leadership in the church. That's so good. Okay, we're going to, let me just double check. I didn't miss, yeah, okay, didn't miss anything. So let's end with a rapid fire. Sure. Just a reminder, we've gone through a lot of different uh, things that, that uh, each of us need to bring. Uh, but you've mentioned that each generation kind of has its own specific role right mm. now. Yeah. And so let's go through kind of a rapid fire. What does each generation uh, need to bring? So let's start with the boomers. What is their secret sauce right now? Yeah, if I could even go and talk to the builders and they'd sure, be even sure. older, I'd yep. say this. Right now, the builders, 
just love the younger generations than you and pray. We're here to serve you. We're here right. to serve you. We love you and we're so thankful. If you're still on, we're, we're glad you are. But for the boomers, I talked about the word for you is resource. And the idea is simply this. Uh, you've had uh, many years to accumulate, and I meant it. It's, we think of money, and let's put money at the bottom of the list. Think of all the experiences you've had in life. Think of all the career wins you've had in life, or even setbacks, which are great learning opportunities. Think of all the wisdom about uh, doing life with human beings. Think about your spiritual maturity as you've had many years to build this connection with God. And of course, financially, maybe you're in a portion of your life where there's more stability. Well, this is a chance. You can't take that with you. You can't take that with you. You can use it right now and it lives on beyond you. So this is an incredible opportunity to keep your hands open and resource. It doesn't mean that you can't be in leadership. It doesn't mean you can't share in other areas, but it means you're kind of preoccupied with resourcing on those around you. And that, 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 that's what I'd say to boomers. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Gen Xers, we celebrated them a bunch today. Yep. And I just want to shout out again, the teams that put everything together for, for today. I hope you Gen Xers feel honored and loved and cherished today. Maybe a little bit teased, if that's okay. <laughs> but what, what do Gen Xers need to bring in this season? Uh, man, uh, when I say mentorship, uh, think always this. If you think of nothing else, be a great listener. Right. Uh, listening builds empathy and acceptance. And I can tell you this, even when I've struggled with people in life, if I pray for them, I can't help but love them. And if I engage and listen... I'm going to build empathy and acceptance for them. And we need that in this world. That's incredibly attractive. And many of you Gen Xers in your workplace, you're kind of in those leadership roles. You're in those management roles now. Uh, maybe boomers have uh, left the building and now it's you. Hey, don't hang on too long. Make sure you're looking out for those around you. And let's be great listeners in that moment. And then automatically, I think you'll become a, a hero maker if you do that. Awesome. Listening for Gen Xers. And mentoring. Yep. Uh, millennials, what, are, what, are, what do you say to my people? Lead. I mean, this is your season to lead. You know, I think in church world, what was very difficult is often generations were told, wait your turn, wait your turn, wait your turn. And many churches lost generations because they got tired of waiting their turn. And so they went out and started something themselves. Mm. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is that uh, this is your moment to step into leadership. And so you do that, you start doing that in church world by starting to serve somewhere, rolling up your sleeves, not expecting the boomers and Xers to do all of that. You're ready to contribute and be a part of that. Listen, you already have the goods. You're, you're, you're in the position and maybe in the best position to do, make many of the leadership decisions. I'm, I'm thankful for the directional leadership team of our church. And uh, I'm the oldest guy on that team. All of them are millennials. And they are helping to shape the future of our church. And I'm so thankful for their leadership in helping to shape that. And that includes you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Privileged to be on there. Um, uh, Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z, listen, uh, create content. Uh, this is your time to explore ideas and, and explore, flex your muscles, your creative muscles and learning and growth. And, you know, whether it's you're in the STEM side of things or in the creative arts side of things, uh, we need you to help shape the future voice of this church. So I'd say this, Gen Z and millennials are going to be, which are very different generations. Very interesting. Boomers and Gen Zers will relate easier than millennials and Gen Zers. <laughs> uh, so the data shows. Xers and millennials 
uh, connect uh, better than boomers and millennials. So, so, but this is an opportunity for you to lean in with millennial leaders. And millennial leaders, I'm going to say this, permission those Gen Z. Let it be a little messy. It's going to be a little messy if we're going to create uh, a, a, something that will reach upcoming generations. Right. But, but we need your voice at the table. Love it. We always love the word organic, but uh, yeah. organic doesn't always mean tidy, right? No, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, Jonathan. This series has been so good. We're only halfway through, but thank you for all the, the uh, this is a bit of your brainchild. And hmm. so thank you for putting this together. And it's been a, a, a fun ride so far. We're looking forward to the next two weeks. Thanks, man. And big shout out to our music teams and production teams. The, the, the music has been fantastic for these first two weeks. Yeah, no pressure for next week. <laughs> but it's been fantastic so far. And I've so enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the production team, all the, the set and everything. I feel like I walked back into my Gen X uh, <laughs> teenage years. It was so good. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Jonathan.